Dear Father, we ask that you will bless our efforts, Lord, to learn more of thee and more of what you have planned for us. Help us, dear Lord, to understand your word. Allow your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and our hearts to know your truth. For we know that the truth shall make us free. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. All right, Christian service. Christian service sounds like a big thing, doesn't it? But as Christians, we're all called to service. Everyone who accepts Christ as their Lord and Savior, he says, you are my witnesses and you are my ambassadors and you are my servants to spread the gospel message by any means necessary. So today we're talking about organizing for service. First of all, why is it important to organize for service? Why is it important to organize for service? Any thoughts on that? Why should we organize? Well, you know, as we look at Christ, when he uh, was on this earth and, and he carried out his mission, he was organized. He just didn't throw stuff at people or the disciples without teaching them and, and letting them learn. So I think when it comes to organization, you learn the order of things. You know how things are being done, and you know what the Holy Spirit and God wants you to do by leading and guiding you. Amen. Any other thoughts? Why should we organize for service? Um, what Pastor said, and so that we can, we won't be going over the same. <clears throat> we won't be going over the same territory over and over. Okay. And remember, heaven is organized an organized place. And as Patsy pointed out, Christ didn't just come down here and just willy nilly do things without any purpose. He had a purpose. He organized it. That's why we have, he had the disciples and then they went out and made other disciples. It was planned out. It was ordered, as the scripture says, from the foundation of the earth. So we don't want to just go out there willy nilly. You know, we, as Lakita said, we'd be covering each other's territory, duplication of effort, hitting areas that we uh, have no idea have been hit, saying things we have no understanding or idea are being said. It would just not be a cohesive message. And you know, the one thing about people, if you put together a program and you invite people to it and they see that you are totally disorganized, what do you think they're going to do? They're just going to walk away and they're going to talk bad about you, about how you were disorganized and didn't think it through and it's just a big mess. You know, people are good at saying that. And that ruins it for anyone else who you might try and reach because they, have already heard when you knock on their door, they have already heard how disorganized you are and how you don't know what you're doing. So we want to plan, we want to prepare, we want to organize for services for Christ. So it starts out, it says young men and young women. And of course we're reading, whenever we read young men and young women, who else does that apply to? Old men and old women. <laughs> yeah, it applies to everyone, everyone who accepts Christ. We're called to do his bidding. And this is specifically talking to young men and young women, though, where it says, can't you form companies and as soldiers of Christ enlist in the work, putting all your tact and skill and talent to the master's service that you may save souls from ruin? That's a question to our young people, right? Can't you enlist in the work for Christ and put some service, use your talents to save souls from ruin? Sounds like a legitimate question, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what do you think young men and young women would say to that question? 
outcome of today? What yeah. Mean? What would young men and young women probably say to that question? I think they would say, no, they can't. <laughs> Why do you say that? You know, people talk about how Sister White, you know, the uh, pioneers were young people. But they were just so much more responsible. Our children are so petted and coddled that it's really, you know, it's hard for me to envision them. I know they should have the ability, but they don't have, not because, I don't know if we can say it's their fault. It's just that the parents haven't entrusted anything in them to do, to get done. Okay. That's now, Sister Lakita, you're going to kill me because I kind of feel the opposite. I think we have young people that have listened to the word and that and that have studied. They may not study in the in the in the format that we study. We go step one, two, three. They may start off with step three and jump back and forth, but they've heard it and they've listened. And I think if given a chance, our young people, they know a lot more than we give them credit for. And with the guidance of the older members, I love when they have youth days and when they let the youth be, you know, like the the youth to do this, do this, and do that. They even, you know, sometimes they even deliver the message. And I think it's not that we just let them go, but they're organized. And when you see what they can do, it is just it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can use these young people. Amen, amen. Any other thoughts? What do you think our young men and young women would do when asked that question? Say the question again. When asked. Uh, can't you put your tact and skill and the talent, talents into the master's service? I think that both comments are correct. Some people would be happy to do it. Some people would say, yes, Lord, send me. And then there are others who shy away from responsibility for various reasons. When you think about all the people, when you were a young person, you think of all your friends that were given the same opportunities as you who were also challenge to give their talents to the Lord, how many of them are actually doing that? How many did it then? How many are still doing it? So it basically it takes all kinds, which is why we have to continue to share the message of Christ through every generation, because there are some who will accept and there are some who won't accept. And the call is also here, it says the call is to become soldiers. What's the difference between soldiers and officers? In the, in the military. What's the difference between soldiers and officers? The soldiers follow the leader of the officers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, what's being asked here is for workers. You know, they always say it's too many uh, cooks in the kitchen. What's that <laughs> phrase? Too many cooks, not enough something. Anyway, everybody wants Are to- Too many keys and not enough followers. Yeah. Everybody wants to be a leader, right? You have no experience, you have no knowledge, and yet you want to start out at the top. No, what's being asked is for people to follow those who are already leaders and to put some work and effort into learning how to become a leader. So a lot of times we want our young people to uh, just get up and do things on their own. They might not know how. They might not have the knowledge or the ability. So that's where the uh, more mature members come in to teach them how to be leaders, to show them the techniques and tactics that work, and to incorporate the young people's ideas into what's going on so that they don't feel totally left out. But the truth is, 
we need more workers. You know, we have enough people leading. What we need now is workers. Jesus said the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. So it says, let there be companies organized in every church for this work. Will the young men and women who really love Jesus organize themselves as workers, not just for those who already accept Christ, but for those who are not of our faith. So not just to be workers in church, but also to reach out to those who may not know the Lord or who may not have all the truth of God's word. And it's very good, you know, and it's true. Our young people have great talent, great ability, but sometimes they just need a little, a little bit of um, coaxing, a little bit of encouragement for them to step forward. Many times when we have invited young people to participate in the work, there are some who are willing and they do a great job. And then there's others who you might have to ask two or three times. You know, you might have to offer them something up front. But once they get the spirit and get going, then they can become good workers for Christ as well. Says, uh, let young men and women go to work in the name of Jesus and let them unite together upon a plan and order of action. Can't we band together? Workers have set times to pray and ask the Lord to give you his grace and put forth united effort. Uh, we were just watching this documentary and it was saying how Ellen White had her first vision when she was, was 16 or 17? 16, 17, that um, J.N. Loughborough wrote a, his thesis on the Sabbath when he was 29. And John Harvey Kellogg was over the sanitarium at age 24. So young people can do a lot. God gives all of us talents and abilities and all he needs is a willing worker if you are willing he'll do the rest you know we have to put forth our best efforts so that god can bless our efforts and crown us with success any other thoughts on our young people do you feel that currently our church is involving the young people in ministry Um, it's hard to say. Well, I just want to say for the tabernacle praise that when I when I was participating, those young people they had us out there on the Sabbath. We talked to people in laundry mats and stores and stuff. And a lot of those young people, like I said, I you know they 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 were together. And when I seen them on the news, I said, "What a testimony for Christ!" Because Skyler. Not only did she thank God, but she thanked everybody around her. She said, it took all of us. And it just mm -hmm. reminds me that it took a village to, to get that together. But we, when we went out, and, you know, and I'm going to be honest, when I put them T-shirts on, I was just as proud. I was like, the Lord, they got something for me to do. Even though I'm hurting, they got something for me to do. And mm -hmm. it, it's something when people would say, come, just come. We'll find something for you to do. That's what Christ is asking us to do. Just come. Him and the Holy Spirit have something for us to do. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Again, there's that willingness. You know, if we have the willing spirit, God will find something for us to do. And he's always looking for people. So I don't know. Our, our AYs, you know, really took a hit 
uh, in the past several years, AYs all around seem to have really taken a hit in terms of how many people come out to participate, whether or not there's an AY leader, whether it's not a program. And of course, AY is standing for Adventist Youth. And it seems like that kind of has dwindled a little bit uh, lately. What do y'all think about that? Have you noticed any difference? Well, I've noticed a difference in, um, but it's not the young people that I notice a difference in. I just noticed that um, the churches just seem to be like kind of stumbling after the pandemic and it's a real struggle. It was a struggle before. Well, I'll go back. When I first came in the church, it was called Missionary Volunteers. We was just looking at something on there, on the TV, what we call AY now. Then it was called, I guess, Adventist Youth or uh, AY, AY Department. AY Department. Then it became Adventist Youth. And at some point, I know in my life, the pastor said, Adventist Youth is for people who are under 35. Okay, so now we have complete segmentation there because you were saying in so many words that it's not for the older people to participate in. You know, but who's going to bring the kids to church? Who's going to bring these young people into the church and stuff? And so when you kind of segmented it, it put it, it hit, it, it caused a problem for everybody for real. You know, it really did. Because now you have middle-aged people, they're not coming. They kind of didn't want to come anyway, you know. So they're not coming and they're not really bringing their kids and stuff. Kids don't want to go anyway. Parents not feeling obligated to go. So we have taken a big hit. And I'm not for sure we can say it's, a, it's the pandemic, but I think this stuff was going on way before the pandemic. Yeah, way I before. think so too. And I, and I do think that it takes, you know, like you can't tell people, one of the things when Pastor you're talking about is about when Pastor Hunter was here, Pastor Hunter was out there with the people, you know, but what we found more and more in the past from, he kind of was the first one in a long time that did it, was that the pastors will set it up and stuff. And then only, you know, like the members would go. And people take a look at that. It's like, you're not going. Why, why are you not going? And people, you know, they have all kinds of reasons why they're not going and how you should be doing just what you do and blah, blah, blah. But uh, Pastor Hunter was involved and passionate and interested. And he was able to get other people to be to do the same thing. So I think we take a big hit, but I don't think it's, you know, we can't put it on the kids, young people, because they're just following our lead for real. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on the Adventist Youth Ministries? Do you feel like it's faltering or is it doing good? I think it's taking a turn in that the, this technology and I said, I think technology-wise, the young people, they stay in contact with each other. And they talk about what they want to do. But to get them back into the building so that they can let, you know, some of the seasonal ones kind of lead and guide them, that's where I think the breakdown is because, like I said, they're on social media and they keep in contact with each other. And they have good ideals, but until they come and bring it, 
some of the like like me, I'm not all that technology savage, but if they were at a building and they was, you know, saying this is what we would like to do and we want to bring it to the members, that would be nice. But you know what, Patsy? That's another thing <clears throat> problem that I have is that um they are on social media. And so we are saying, not you, okay, but you know, I've heard this from other people, but we are saying because we're used to it being in the building that they have to be in the building. But see, this is not true. People, I like to look at it. I think to me, God gave us this technology and we call it a virtual world because he wants us to really believe in the world we don't see, the angels, you know, in the Holy Spirit, he really wants us to recognize that that is as real as our real, the um, reality world, you know, concrete world, or this virtual world. And I'm thinking, why can't we go where they are? Why can't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I hope this is okay to say this, but today, you know, we were talking about the um, revival that Northside, and I mentioned from the pulpit today, because I was doing stewardship about um, well, you know, it's going to be online. And the pastor shook his head, no, why? Why? People are online, you know? And we, we, can't, we can't stay here and say, we over here, so y'all come over here. If they have good ideas and stuff, those ideas can be carried out online. You know what I'm saying? I agree, one sister. Of, I agree. You know, one of the things we have to recognize, and I know we've said this before, is that the principles don't change, but the methods have to change. Yeah. You know, in society, techniques and technology and methods constantly change. We have to keep up with the times. We're not riding around in horse and buggy anymore or using um, telegraphs to communicate. So the message can still be the same, but the way that we reach people, the way that we organize, the way that we handle things has to keep up with uh, the times. Now, here's a quick question. As a, when you were an Adventist youth or a young person in church, what was one of your favorite, what was, what, uh, recall a fond memory you had being a part of the Adventist youth? What was one of the, in gathering? In gathering. As a young person. We had, my sister gave us some cans and we got to talk to people and we had a good time. I mean, it was tons of us with them cans. And when we talked to people, some of them would hug us and some of them would just, you know, they were just so happy that, you know, we were out there in the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like um, the thing I like. It's the same thing that you are talking about, Patsy. I love to sell magazines. Man, I really, really love selling those magazines. Just get out there in front of a store if I can. You know, I, I had a um, little canvas, little speech. For people going in, you know, like, hey, you know, give them my speech and set them up. You know, um, I'll see you on your way out, you know. And they were like, yeah, I'll get you then. So, and then people coming out would just put in my can. I'm canvassing as they go in and people are just hitting my can when they come out. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I never have enjoyed knocking on doors. But I, unless, of course, I was selling books, I did enjoy that. But I really, you know, that was something that I enjoyed. And I think some, like what you're talking about, the camaraderie, you know, like knowing that it's other people doing it, you know, that was really helpful too. Yeah. I recall as AY that we used to go to other churches 
like our AY would go to their church and put on a program and then their AY would come to our church and then we would always have dinner and stuff. And I thought that was really very encouraging for young people. And we used to have uh, AY socials. I know some of us remember socials where we'd go to a recreation center or some area and have some kind of social activities of skating or playing games and board games or basketball and refreshments and stuff and get to meet other young people who also were in the church. And that was always very encouraging to me. I think that's one of the reasons I even stayed in church was for the AY social events. So, you know, I kind of sometimes feel a kind of sense of sadness that our AYs aren't aren't what I remember them, but I guess they're doing what they want to do now. So I'm always glad when our AYs get together with each other and have an activity that they get involved in. So I'm always happy to see that. Let's look at next subparagraph is missionary spirit lacking. You know, and that might explain some of the things because uh, Sister White's writing this way back in the day and missionary spirit was lacking then. So, you know, it's just kind of going to happen, I guess. Uh, it says there has been but little of the missionary spirit among Sabbath keeping Adventists. And if ministers and people were sufficiently aroused, which what does that mean? They would not rest thus indifferently while God has honored them by making them depositories of his law and printing it in their minds and writing it upon their hearts. So even back then, there was a lack of missionary spirit. How do you think people, how do you think you can boost missionary spirit in people? Or how does a person get missionary spirit that would give them the energy to get up and get out for the Lord? How, does anybody have any ideas? Well, sometimes I think if you're going with a partner, if you got somebody else in church that's going with you, and I think the deaconesses, they do a good job. You know, when they're going maybe through the week, they'll get two or three to go with them, and they go visit, you know, the sick, the shed-in. And I said, that that is, that is where I think we, as church members, I would hope in the future we do something with the young people where they can go together. You know, and whether it's just passing out tracks, but, you know, spend a Sunday where they just, they're together doing something for the community. Hmm. Okay, any other thoughts? How do we increase missionary spirit in a church, or what does it take? I like what Pessy said, and I think it takes, um, I really think that each person has to be convicted and, and, and feel strongly enough feel strong enough to do it, you know what I'm saying? Because um, that's really what it, it really does come down to, that individual decision. And I think another thing what might it might take is we kind of coming, I know as Patsy said, they get together and they go see the sick and the shut-in in the week because that's kind of where their hearts are. That's what they want to do. That's the type of missionary outreach they want to do. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that's, and, and they could open that up to the church too, that, you know, we know we do it, but we're going to open it up to anybody who wants to join us. And I think that kind of thing really, and just keeping it simple. I think we get, we make things too complicated sometimes too. But mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good idea to so be with someone and then everybody has to be really convicted in their heart that they really want to do it. And I really, and I'm a firm believer that people have to do something that they enjoy doing too. Yeah. 
I think number one on our plate. Go ahead, Patsy. And another thing, Elder, when if we're when we are trying to get that missionary spirit into somebody, sometimes just talking to somebody and you learn from them what you know what they're doing. And mm-hmm. I said, and it didn't, you know, it kind of the Holy Spirit and Jesus sometimes just click in your head saying, you know what? I may not be able to do it that way with that, the way that person did it, but I can do a little of that and I can still reach somebody. So just hearing about some of the ways people, you know, are using are, are, are still out there, you know, doing their little missionary. And it may be something so simple as you just call a person. They say, you know what I do? I try to share when I find out about. Um, and, and I'm just going to give an example, and I would use Paula. She's going to kill me. Like if Paula learns about something, where they giving out a box of food at the libraries or something, she'll call me and she'll say, Sister Harper, you know, on such and such a day, they're going to be giving out them boxes at the library. And, you know, they got a bunch of vegetables and stuff in it. And that's the kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, maybe I can share something else with somebody like she did. And so, you know, it just, it just kind of gets you back into knowing that quit sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> well, yeah, not only that, that's, that's a really good point that you're saying, too, is that, you know, um, I know that Lee mentioned organized, you know, like organized witnessing, but every day, just not casual lives, you know, we can do little things to be a witness to people every day in our casual lives that we can do that, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff. So that's a really good, you know, important part of witnessing, because that's what Jesus did, the Jesus in his everyday life, you know. Right. And I think, of course, number one, we need uh, to pray for the missionary spirit, pray that God's Holy Spirit will fill our hearts with the desire uh, to lead others into the fold of Christ and um, have a love for soul winning. You know, that's what it takes. And that comes from God. And has anybody ever heard of testimonies? That's what Patsy was talking about, Mm -hmm. testifying to the goodness of God. Sometime when you're at prayer meeting, and then, it, you know, you're sitting there and then it comes to testimony time mm-hmm. or during your service and somebody gives a testimony that just kind of perks you up. You know, and it's like, oh, wow, they out doing this and look how the Lord blessed them. You know, I, I can do that. Let me get on out there and let me see who I can lead, you know. So it kind of sparks a little fire and it only takes a spark to get a fire going. Right. So just in a true missionary spirit of testimony of how God has blessed you and your efforts. You know, that can get somebody going, too. Uh, Paula, you had a comment? No, I was um, saying we all have a sphere of influence, whether we know it or not. You know, there's always somebody that that you can reach out, particularly in this uh, digital age. You can drop a text um, thinking about you, drop a scripture uh, or whatever, you know, just just asking about somebody and, and um, a lot of times they will um, respond and ask you to pray for them. And then I'll just call and say, Hey, you want to pray? You know, uh, there's so many ways we can reach out. It doesn't have to be a full blown, you know, um, uh, it doesn't have to be a bigger deal as we think, because it's like lighting a candle. If I have a light, I'll reach over and light somebody else's wick, whatever, you know, and meeting other people's basic needs, like what Patsy was talking about, the food thing, that they're not, everybody has to eat, you know what I'm saying? So that's just one way, even people in my neighborhood, I know elderly people, and if we have 
things from the pantry. I'll drop them off. It'll be a piece. They know I go to church on Sabbath. They know who I am. They know who I represent. But it, it's not. I'm not pushing anything on them. I'm showing mm -hmm. Christian concern and love. I was thinking about you today. You know, mm -hmm. or here's the packet or something. It doesn't have to be a bigger deal as we think. Mm -hmm. And let the Holy Spirit lead you. People are very receptive to that type of stuff. And I can't understand where, how do we get that it has to be a big thing? I mean, it's been said, you know, like go to your neighbors, blah, blah, blah. But it's still in a way it's kind of discounted. That type of stuff um, is in a sense not as, I don't know, it's, it's, it's always seemed to me like if you're not, you're not knocking on, if you're not out knocking on somebody's door to whom you don't know, and um, then it's not real missionary work. But that just might be, I'm a little sensitive to that because I don't really like the <laughs> idea of doing it. But well, and I think it needs, you know, that needs to be done. I'm not saying it shouldn't. I'm just saying it seems like that's kind of um, that's like the only valid thing that's that we uh, look at in terms of missionary work. Yeah, and it's very true. There are so many ways to witness and to be a missionary. Nobody should ever discount what somebody else is doing. However you do it, and that's why it's called personal ministry, because you have your own way of doing it, too. Now, there, of course, are larger events, you know, tent meetings or um, Bible study meetings or whatever. And those always look real nice when you got hundreds of people come out and participate and then you baptize 20 or 30. That always looks good. But that's not to discount the personal ministry of someone who's studying with one or two people and maybe one person gets baptized, that soul is just as important as any of the other souls that have been saved, you know. So we want to never discount what somebody else is doing because that's what God gave them to do. Mm -hmm. And each of us has our own area that we can work in uh, personally, and then we can also work together as a team, as a church family. So um, let me ask you this question. If, if a person says they love you, but they never hug you they never bring you flowers they never take you out what's wrong with that picture they say they love well you me. know if we look at god's example god didn't only speak the words the written word to the people he did physical things to help people he healed people uh even when even uh when people came to him like Paula was saying, you know, they, they, they know her and her neighborhood. They know what she stands for. They know she goes to church on the Sabbath. Now, they may not ever jump up and say, Paula, I want to go to church. But when, it, when, when I bet they remember, you know, she's always been kind. She brings us stuff. And so, I, you know, I think it, it comes to a point that we cannot talk it if we cannot show it and live it as Christ, would, as Christ did when he was here. Amen. And I think that saying is kids don't care how, what you know, but they want to know how much you care is a good example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with the problem with that, you know, talk is cheap. You can't just talk the talk, but you have to walk the walk. So when we say we love Christ, when we say we believe his word, his word is saying that time is going to get really tough, that everybody's going to have to make a decision for or against him. And yet, you know, in a general sense, people are not sharing that with their friends or neighbors or uh, brothers and sisters. 
So it's like our works are not in accordance with our faith or with our faith and that we have a solemn message and we have to find a way to get that message out, not only for our sake, but for the sake of our uh, people that we're around, friends and neighbors and relatives and stuff. So it's kind of tough when the missionary spirit is missing from people and we say we love the Lord and we believe in his word, but we're not really out there sharing it like we should or, or like God wants us to do. It says that it's not just the ministers who are soldiers, but every man and woman who accepts Christ is called to be doing God's will. And uh, then the question is asked, are they willing to receive a soldier's fare? Well, soldiers don't make a, a whole lot. You know, they get enough to live on and they just do their duty. But many people don't want to participate or give themselves to Christ because they're focused on themselves. You know, we're talking about the lack of sacrifice nowadays. People not willing to sacrifice is me, myself, and I. You know, I'm going to get everything I can. He that dies with the most toys wins, all that kind of thought. Because everyone has been, been compromised by lust of the eye, the pride of life, love of display, love of ease, separated from professed. That's what separates the professed Christians from God and the missionary spirit barely exists in a few people because they've been caught up with the, the love of life, so to speak, the love of the world. So what we have to do is continue to pray, ask God to make sure that we don't get hooked up into worldly things and focused only on the world, but that we remember time is getting short and Jesus is going to be coming in clouds of glory before we know it. And we have to be out doing our father's business. That includes missionary work. However you can, let somebody know that God loves them. He wants them to be saved in his kingdom. If we're not doing anything for the cause of Christ, how can we even call ourselves Christians if we're not doing anything to win souls for Christ? And it says that those people who are that way will be called wicked and slothful servants. And of course, we don't want to be in that class of people. So let's continue to pray. Let's continue to, to seek out ways to point others to Christ and to him crucified. And, and as always, encourage one another. You know, if somebody's doing a good work for the Lord, encourage them and say, great job. You know, that's really terrific what you're doing. Because how do you feel when somebody pats you on the back and says, good job? You feel like doing even more. You know, when somebody says, thank you, you feel like doing even more. So let's encourage one another as we see the day of Christ approaching quickly. Any other thoughts? And you know, Elder Carroll, I've had an experience last Sunday when I called my little girl that's at the university. And she told me, she said, I was, she said, I, was, she said, I know you, you know, what's going to call me because I, I make every Sunday. There's a certain time I've been calling her, I think, for the last three, two years. But she let me know she had finished the amazing facts. And I told her, I said, I'm so glad that people stepped in to help you complete the rest of it. And I thought, this is what God means that I planted, maybe I planted the little seed, but there, it took a village to help her to continue to grow until she completed them. So, you know, and I said, you know, I'm not sure if she did, if she finished them off on the internet or just the people that was around her and, you know, her family, of course. And I said, I just thank God that, you know, sisters and brothers will step in there and, you know, maybe you can't do it all. But I just said, I thank the Lord that 
when it comes to doing missionary work, God never leaves you by yourself. You always have, a, what I say, a community that will help guide and lead somebody. So, you know, I just told her, I said, I praise the Lord for those that, you know, helped you continue. And she was like, you just did so much. And I said, no, I said, it takes everybody. And so, you know, now that she's completed the amazing facts, I said, Lord, let me not stop calling her. Let me, you know, continue to let her know that, you know, whatever decision and that, you know, when she gets ready, if she's going to come back here in St. Louis and if she's going to get baptized at, at the tops or whatever, I just want to be there. But I just said, you know, missionary work is not something. I mean, we have an individual responsibility, but when God brings it to a head, you see how many different um, ways that other people continue to work with her also. And I just thank God for that. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Yeah, we cannot afford at this time to be caught up in self-complacency and selfishness. You know, over on the next subchapter, it says a self-complacent class, a self-complacent class. Uh, again, talking about people who are talking and not doing anything, you know, and that just, you know, as a, as a human being, you get kind of irritated when somebody's doing all this talking, but no action follows. You know, it's a whole lot of we oughta, coulda, shoulda, woulda but no real action happens. You know, when you take your time out to go to a meeting or something, maybe you're at work or maybe you're on some other group and you go to the meeting and there's no action being taken, you just kind of feel like I could have stayed home. You know, it's the same way with us as Christians. If all we're going to do is talk, but never take any action, then we might as well just uh, stay home. You know, we got to continue praying that God's Holy Spirit will infiltrate us and not allow us to become self-complacent and more concerned with world, what the world uh, values as opposed to what God values. Now, over on this self-complacent chapter, what is Sister White talking about when she says, and you know, it looked like she using the N-word right here, <laughs> where it says, they despise the narrow mind of the poor niggard who grudges the small pittance to the needy. What is she talking about? Why is she using the N-word? Is that the N-word? Everybody see that where we're at? Yeah, we see it. <laughs> Why would she use that term? Oh, I don't think that's the same word as the... The, um, the uh, N-word. Yeah, and she, I think she's talking about being miserly and, and not being generous when you see that there's a need. Okay, any, anybody else? You agree with that or no? Uh, yeah, that's what I think. Is, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I even looked up that word before, yes. What, what was the definition? Stingy. Yeah, that's just a term back then for stingy people. You know, but when you read it, you're like, what? <laughs> but she, she's talking about stingy people. So she's saying stingy people... Uh, begrudging a small a small amount to even to give to the needy, you know. Well, well, it says um, there is a class to a conscious. They possess generous impulses, devotion, feelings, and love of good deed. Yet, at the same time, they are doing nothing. Mm -hmm. and it says they possess a self-compliant feeling, flattering themselves that if they had an opportunity or a circumstance or a favor, they could and would. 
But they are waiting for the opportunity. Then it says, they despise the narrow-minded, the poor nigger who grudges the small pittance to them. So anyways, they, they're casting, it's kind of like, like people want to do rank sins. Like, you know, they worse than me. Oh, <laughs> you know, I pot, would do it. The pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, so we have to be careful, you know. It says, uh, they see that he lives for himself that he would not be called from himself to do good to others, to bless them with the talents of influence and means which have been committed to him to use, not to abuse, not to rust, or to lie buried in the earth. You know, God gives all of us talents. God gives us all talents. He gives us all abilities. You know, and it's like we talk about uh, when we're talking about tithe and offering that God gives us everything, and yet we withholding 10%. From him, but he gave us the one hundred percent, and we won't even give ten percent back to him. You know, I think too. For I think people, I think there's a dis disconnect. You guys tell me what you think about this. But I think it's a disconnect um, when you say that that people don't really connect, like how much a hospital room costs, you know, or or what's it like to really like not have food and be in the cold and stuff. And that those provisions actually come from God. I was listening, uh, reading the um, Lord's Prayer where it says, Our Father, which are in heaven. That's a prayer of submission. It's a prayer of acknowledging of God, um, God's, um, what is it? His superiority or his sovereignness over us. And I don't think we really, we're not really connecting the dots. We're not really believing that this stuff is coming from God. I think not, mm. you know, not everybody, but you know, I think the vast majority. It's just not, it's not really connecting. Mm. That's why I used to talk about a sincere prayer is heard. Because sometimes we're just saying words. We don't really believe this can happen or will happen. Yeah, again, having the knowledge but not following through on it or not truly believing that it could happen. And, you know, they used to have this question, uh, which one is worse uh, or which one would you rather have? A person who is really good at something but refuses to do it or a person who's not good at it but is really trying hard? Which is, which is uh, better or which is worse? A person who is really good at something, has a lot of talent but refuses to use it or a person who's not good at something, but is trying as hard as they can. And you know, Elder Carroll, I kind, I kind of put that with in education too, uh, especially when I used to put the kids in groups. You would have a straight A student that didn't want to be with a, a student that she felt wasn't as smart as she was. But yet they would, yet the ones that, I, I'm just going to say a C or a D student, they were able to get in groups and to work as a team. And so when, I, when you said that question, I would rather have a person that's not good at something, but has a willing heart and has a mer merry heart that wants to do it. Amen. Because you can always teach those, those kind of people. They can always learn. But when you get somebody that is, so intelligent that, you know, it's like, well, I got it, but I'm not going to use it. And, and I'll just sit back and let everybody else do it. Well, they get that cocky attitude and they forget that 
you know, maybe they're maybe they don't have a special uh, school district teacher, but it doesn't make them better than anyone else. It makes them that when God gives you that much intelligence and that much talent, you should use it to glorify him. So I'd rather have the person that's not good at something that volunteers and wants to do it. All right. Very interesting. So how do we how do we think God feels when he's given us talents and we refuse to use them? Well, you know, that's a universal law. God doesn't have to feel anything, but the law is if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And so, you know, if we sit back and don't use our talents, we're going to lose those talents. And of course, when you look at technology, that's so true. Technology is moving so fast. If you don't keep up, like in a month or two, you can be behind in your field. So um, I, I think he's not hes not pleased with it. I think that God would allow us to go through some trials to try to wake us up. And if we refuse to, you know, we're going to just, I think he'll leave us alone. Mm. That's a sad thought, too. That we give God giving us talents and we don't use it and we end up losing them. And the other sad thing, too, is that God may have given us a talent and you try to use it in the church, but there's so much negativism. Like, you know, I've had this position for 20 years. Who you think you're going to do coming here trying to say you want you, you know, you want to want to want to want to see if you can run for that position. And there's so much negative instead of saying, well, if you're interested, I'll teach you some of my ways that might be able to help you. If you, you know, if you think about taking that position. Hmm. Very interesting. So we want to. my egg, Pessy. They've been there 20 years and haven't really <clears throat> done anything with it. Just, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's very, it's very sad to know that God has given us talents and then we choose not to use them. Not only that, but then God has given people talents, they choose not to use them, but then they want to put their nose up against somebody else, like you were saying, Patsy, try and put their nose up against somebody else who's willing to do uh, as best they can without so much knowledge. It's worse if you have the knowledge and the ability and choose not to do it. So, you know, again, it goes back to we have to be prayerful, asking God to give us the spirit of sacrifice, give us the willingness to get out and, and spread the gospel message to other people and to give us a desire to serve him as best we can with the blessings and the talents that he's given us. And if we are not using our talents, then we have no right to point fingers at anybody else Amen. because God's looking at us and he's saying, you knew better and you didn't do it. Is You know, the last um, sentence in this chapter says, you knew your master's will, yet you didn't do it. It's even worse. You're more responsible because you knew right and you didn't do it. And to him that knoweth to do right and does it not, what is it? Sin. Sin. Right. I like this. I mean, this is uh, kind of scary here where she says, but more responsible are those who have generous impulses and are naturally quick to discern spiritual things if they remain inactive, mm-hmm. waiting the opportunity they suppose has not come, yet contrasting a readiness to do with the unwillingness of the nigger and reflecting that their condition is more favorable than that of their mean-souled neighbors. And that's a real problem because, you know, we can look at the next person 
And uh, they doing so bad. You know, we think they're just doing the worst. And so that makes us think we're doing good. <laughs> and then we're being, you know, uh, they say in addition to counseling, who is the healthiest person in a family with an addict, you know, with an opioid or a heroin addict? Who's the healthiest person in the family? And the answer is the addict, because the addict knows he has a problem. He knows his life is a mess. But those who are codependent, judgmental, unkind, uncouth towards him, they don't realize their problem. And so they're in a worse condition than he is. Mm -hmm. So again, leading back to our spiritual aspect of that, we can't look at other people and say, oh, they don't know this and they miss, uh, misquoting this scripture and they not following that commandment because we have to be very careful that we're not casting stones at other people when we ourselves are living in a glass house. So let's continue to ask God to open our eyes to opportunity, ask him to open our eyes to a love for other souls to be saved in God's kingdom and a love to spread his gospel message by any means necessary. Amen. Amen. Uh, next, amen. Amen. Now, next week, Karen, where will we be at in Testimony Volume One? Yes, they are off at the moment. But uh, next week, we'll be in the book Testimony. Yeah, no, I'm here. Okay. I thought I was one. <laughs> okay. okay. We're in Testimony Volume One. We're at uh, chapter 102, and I was trying to get to the paragraph for you. So you would have that if you give me just a second here. Sister Karen? Yeah. I think my note said we stopped at 573.1. I may be that wrong, but that's, that's. No, that's correct. That sounds right. Yeah, starts out the brother from New York. Yes, because it starts talking about his the dream that she had. So okay. yeah. All right, okay. great. Uh, so any any other comments about the lesson, or if not, we'll have closing prayer. Okay, Lakita, would you offer closing prayer for us? Most honorable Father, we bless the name of Jesus. We're grateful that we have a Sabbath day to rest to contemplate you and your word, your truth, Lord, and to think about um, and praise you for all that you've done throughout this week. Dear Lord, we ask that you would please help us not to be on either side of the coin, you know, not realizing how bad our situation is while we point the fingers at other people. We ask the Lord that this week, that in whatever way that you lead us, that we will step up to the plate and be a witness for you in our lives um, and in all that we do, Lord. We praise your holy name for each other. We thank you for each other's talents, each other's gifts. We thank you, Lord, that you give us an opportunity to witness uh, your movement in their lives and you're blessing them, dear Lord. We thank you for their health. We ask, Lord, that you pour all upon them, your Holy Spirit, and upon us. And we ask that you open our minds, our, our hearts, to receive fully and completely the Spirit of God so that we can be saved and so that we will be uh, have that zeal, that desire, that passion to reach out to other people. We just thank you so much for all that you do and um, for you being our father and caring enough to allow us to be a part of your family. In the name of Jesus, we pray and praise you always. Amen. 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 Thanks for everyone's participation. All right. Have a happy Sabbath. The rest of it, everybody. Bye. Happy Sabbath.